I like how that gets faster. Hallelujah. Today's scripture reading is from um, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 1 to 11, and I'm reading from the New Revised Standard Version. Now concerning the times and the seasons, brothers and sisters, you do not need to have anything written to you. For you, yourselves, know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. When they say, there is peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman, and there will be no escape. But you, beloved, are not in darkness for that day to surprise you like a thief, for you are all children of light and children of the day. We are not of the night or of darkness. So then, let us not fall asleep as others do, but let us keep awake and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk, get drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober and put on the breastplate of faith and love, and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. For God has destined us not for wrath, but for obtaining salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, so that whether we are awake or asleep, we may live with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build up each other, and as indeed you are doing. This is the witness of God's people. Thanks be to God.
Christ has died, Christ is risen, Christ will come again, and the church says, Amen, hallelujah, whatever the response, but I think an even better response is, Christ has come, Christ has died, Christ is risen, Christ will come again. When? When? <laughs> when is Christ coming again? That's the real response. Maybe we say amen and we're good Christians, but right on top of that, secretly in our mind, come on, we got to be asking when? Because looking around at the world right now, jeepers, it seems like now or very soon might be kind of good, Jesus. Message today is not only the oldest of Paul's writings, it's also the oldest of all the documents in the New Testament canon. It's a letter, just like you would sit down at a desk and pen a letter to someone or to a community of people you love, care about, have invested deeply in. But you're unable to visit personally. So Paul sends this letter with Timothy, his disciple, his right-hand person, and Timothy returns with a report from the people in Thessalonica, and the return is positive. Things are going well where Paul has invested, and Timothy and the rest of the people who travel with them, their posse, their clan, the other disciples have been. Paul sits down and writes this letter. And for those of you listening to the podcast, I'm going to pretend to sit behind the altar as if I'm writing a letter so you can picture that this isn't just some book, but someone sat down, someone who is a deep follower of God just like us and penned this to some other people just like us who were in the real world and were facing some stuff. And Paul sits down and pens this letter and is responding to some questions that they had, especially regarding a fancy word, the parousia. Parousia. It means the second coming of Christ. That was their big questions. Paul encourages them to remain steadfast in their faith and to keep their faith their belief and their life in alignment so that their conduct matched their faith that they spoke of and they were walking the talk, if you will. One of the good questions those people in Thessalonica asked Paul was, hey, what about all those we love who were part of our clan who died before Jesus? How could they experience salvation and resurrection Jesus hadn't done his thing yet. What about all those beautiful people? And Paul replies, on the day of the Lord, they too will be resurrected. They too will be taken care of. And almost as if Paul also anticipates the when question, he warns them to avoid speculation about the date. Just continue to live according to God's will. And don't concern yourself with the date. Now, the lectionary drops us in the final piece of this letter. There's five chapters, and today we're in chapter five. So that's kind of a weird way to read a letter. 
because there's been four chapters that already happened that you didn't get to read. So I am going to quickly race you through the first four chapters. Chapter one, dear people of Thessalonica, grace and peace and blessings to you. I wish I could be there. In spite of persecution, you received the word of God with joy. Inspired by the Holy Spirit, you were an example to people in Macedonia and Achaia. People in other regions are talking about you. And they are talking about you who are a great example of people who turned from idols to the living God and eagerly await Jesus' return. Well done. Well done, you believers. You've become a good example, and others are talking about you. Chapter 2. We, Paul and Timothy, and all those with us who are unnamed in the Bible, came to speak to you despite opposition. In chapter 1, it said persecution. In chapter 2 of this letter, it says opposition. The gospel is getting around in the ancient Near East, and people are believing the word of God and following the word of God, but they are under a massive dominant world empire. It's the whole world that they know of in the ancient Near East, the Roman Empire, a system that is heavily weighted against them. And this visit and this gospel was not in vain. God gave the message, and we feel fortunate to have the word. And our number one aim, Paul tells the Thessalonians, is not to please people, but to please God. You've become very dear to us, Paul says. We tried hard not to be a burden when we came to visit you and to conduct ourselves so super respectably as to be above reproach. You're like family to us. You really are. We love and encourage you. We urge you in the right direction. We praise God for you, and we praise God that you heard the message and you got it. Sorry, my knees are too old to bend down behind the altar for much longer. You are our glory and our joy. What a beautiful thing to tell the believers. You are our glory and our joy. Seriously, keep it up. I'm paraphrasing, obviously. We are godly proud of you, Paul says to the believers. Chapter 3. We sent Timothy to encourage you against the persecution. Again, persecutions, opposition, persecutions. The message is getting repeated. This is strong language. You know these people who Paul cares about and has invested in and are living in the Roman Empire are facing great opposition and persecution. There's consistent messaging that says, hey, I see you're up against all the odds and bless you. Bless you for it. Bless you for being set apart as God's people and doing things God's way. Timothy brings back that good report. We long to see you as much as you long to see us. May God bring us together again. May God make you increase and abound in love 
for all, and may you be so strengthened that you're found blameless at the day of Jesus' next coming with all the saints. Chapter 4, you learned how to act and live. Do that. Just keep doing that. Do it more. Do it more. Do it more. Continue to act and live out your faith. You are sanctified, set apart as God's people. It is the will of God. Go about your work. Love one another. Live quietly. Mind your business. Behave properly towards those outside the community and be dependent on no one. Do not worry for those who died before you. God will bring them into the fold too. Jesus will return. Angels and trumpets, it's going to be awesome. The dead in, first, in Christ are going to rise first, and then the rest of us. That's where we start today's passage, chapter 5. The day of Jesus is going to return, and it's going to come at a most unexpected time where they say peace and security will come destruction. This is empire language. Peace and security are things that were attributed in the Roman Empire to the emperor and the armies and the senates around the empire, the people who reported to the emperor, this whole system was in place. And even if you were at the bottom of the system, you were made to feel like it's better than not being under the emperor. Somehow, no matter how awful our life is, it would be worse if we weren't under the empire. That was the language and the emperor cult, it was actually called. The coins, the artwork, the buildings, everything around you screamed Roman Empire. Emperor Caesar is in charge. Everything, the whole system ran to please and be under Emperor Caesar. There were two classes of people. There were those who were the super duper rich, and there was everybody else who was dirt poor and just trying to get by. Language we're reading in the New Testament from Paul is speaking against the world system that they were living under, and it was big, and it was heavy, and they thought indestructible. But you, beloved... And this is a quote, and it's going to be a weird quote, but go with me on this. This is a quote not from the Bible, but from the poet RuPaul. If you stay ready, you don't got to get ready. If you stay ready, you don't have to get ready. This is deep theology today for us. If you stay ready in your prayers, in the way of God, in the word of God, in the community of God, if you stay filled up with love and hope and anticipation for God, it doesn't matter what the time is. You're going to be found ready. Even if God comes back like a thief in the night at a day and time, we have no idea. People have been guessing for generations. Oh, I think it's going to be on this day and this time. And here we are today, and it wasn't. We don't know. Maybe they could be right. There's a milli, milli, milli chance. 
of all God's time, that could be the millisecond, but I doubt it because the Bible says no one will know the day and the time, not even Jesus and the Holy Spirit. Only the one Jesus called Father knows the date and time of Jesus' second coming. That is beyond our control. It's actually beyond our concern. Our concern and our control is to just be the best Christian us we can be individually and collectively as a community so that whenever God comes, we are found ready. If you stay ready, you don't have to get ready. I once saw a bumper sticker that said, look busy, Jesus is coming. <laughs> we're not the look busy, Jesus is coming people because we're always busy. We don't have to look busy, we are busy. There's a lot going on in this community. You've been here for many years, many of you. You're deeply involved in each other's lives and the fabric of Richmond, in the fabric of South Arm over the years. You are beloved, you are sacred, you are set apart as God's people. Paul goes on and says, continue to walk the talk. So whether you're physically asleep or awake on the hours of the day, you are found living your best godly life. Respect the elders. Encourage those who come behind you, especially if they get off track a little bit. Love them, bring them back in, show them the way. Don't repay evil for evil. Always seek to do good. Rejoice always in God. Pray without ceasing. That's a really famous Bible verse, and it's in here. You don't always have to be speaking prayers, obviously. It's in your heart and in the way you act out your life. Everything we do with God at heart and soul can be a prayer. May you be so sanctified and set apart. Pray for us who are spreading the word under these circumstances as we pray for you. Read this to everyone in your community out loud. I want them to hear this message. I want them to be encouraged. I want them to stay the course. Christ has died, Christ has risen, Christ will come again. When? When? I mean, amen. It summarizes our faith so briefly and succinctly. And amidst the opposing forces in the world, we dare to believe and live as a set-apart people too. But when? When will Christ come again? When's it going to happen? No one knows. No one knows. Sorry, I don't have the answer. No one knows. Again, what is in our control is to live our best godly lives every day. Do unto others. Love God. Love your neighbor. And whenever God comes, may we be found ready. May it be so.